Strategist Cowboy Welcome to today's fight Our first contestant is a porter called Fuller's London Porter It is made in England The brewery Fuller's calls the beer the world's finest We will soon see if that has got any truth to it the brewery is also stating on the beer can that the beer is rich, dark and complex. Sick. It's difficult to discern flavors in complex beers, but they are not necessarily difficult to evaluate and grade. Fuller's London Porter is made from water, malted barley and hops. London Porter has got a 5.4% ABV. It is said to best be served at a temperature as high as 10 to 12 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 50 to 53 degrees Fahrenheit. That goes for all sorts of porters from all brands. The beer sort from Fuller's it's a recurring prize-winning porter at Stockholm Beer and Whiskey. Fuller's London Porter is sold on cask at London pubs. London Porter otherwise comes in a 50 centiliter can here in Sweden, but in England it comes in a bottle. What about the experience then? Spilled some here. Okay. It's completely dark. The color is dark as hell. The aroma, it uh, smells roasted. Roast, it smells roast. The foam is uh, not ample, but uh, but uh, adequate. The taste uh, roasted again. Roast roast is the taste. It's, it's a little bit coffee taste in it and uh, not a little bit it's pretty much coffee taste
Okay, it's rich. Uh, taste on your palate. Well, bitter in the back of your mouth and uh, coffee on your palate. It's uh, pretty sweet. And it's uh, also bitter. It's not candy-like. There's no fruitiness, of course. Spices, uh, I don't think. I don't think there are any spices in it. This is a porter. The undertone is coffee. The carbonation level is, uh, I think it's, um, low. It's creamy. A little bit, uh, pretty much. And the aftertaste, well, One moment. Again, it's bitter coffee aftertaste. I think I haven't waited so long to um, well um, I just opened the beer. I haven't drunk it yet. I haven't drunk it yet. This is fifty centiliters. 50 centiliters. Maybe it's not like nutty also. Well, grading then. Porter is not my thing really, not so much. It, it may may um, suit w when you eat food raw uh, I mean cooked or, or fried meat it's um, I think it's um, red meat it goes well with that like porter steak of course but this is not some kind of beer that I would like to sit and drink, to enjoy it just. I wouldn't do that. But uh, I grade it, uh, if I'm gonna be honest, I, I have to grade it after my own taste buds.
So I will grade this um, Fuller's London Porter. I don't want to grade it too low. It wouldn't be right. It's it's just my taste buds that, that I don't I don't like this kind of beer so much. So I, I put it I give it a six. But if you like this kind of beer, this type of beer, I guess you could give it a seven. But I don't think much more. And it's quite bitter actually in the aftertaste now. Okay. While I while I uh, finish this beer, I'm gonna go into the next beer. Our second contestant is a Swedish porter called Svart Porter, made by Slottskjellan, i.e. Chateau Spring, with the word spring referring to spring water, I guess. It's brewed in Uppsala some seven metric miles i.e. 43 British miles north of Stockholm. Svart means black in Swedish and it is referring to the supposedly very dark roast. We will soon find out if it indeed has a roast worthy of its name. Svart has got a 5.5% ABV. Served at 10 to 12 degrees Celsius it comes in a 33 centiliter bottle. It consists of water, barley malt and yeast. Okay, I will finish this London Porter first and then I'm gonna take a break and then come back and um, try this Svart or Black. Okay, now I have taken a long pause. Well, uh, I've drunk some coffee and uh, I, I usually don't drink coffee following on a beer, but uh, this coffee tasting beer is, uh, it's okay to drink a cup of coffee after a porter. Actually, I think that, that it's, uh, I wanted to, freshen up a little bit before I open the next beer. So I will um, open this Svart beer. The experience. This is equally dark. Mm -hmm. Also coffee aroma. Well, uh, it's coffee aroma anyway. Maybe the last beer was the former beer wasn't coffee aroma, but this one is or has. 
Okay. Foam. Not very ample, but adequate. Also this one. One beer is enough to fill my glass. Taste. It, it smells a little, a little uh, metallic. Or watery, perhaps. It smells a little watery. Uh, well, let's see if it tastes a little watery. It's sweet in its taste, I think. Not so bitter as the former beer, London Porter. Not so bitter. But this one is... A little... Uh, not acidic, but a little sour. Perhaps. Is it rich? Yes, I think so. It's pretty rich. Uh, it doesn't taste so much coffee as the as uh, the London Porter. Taste on your palate. Well, uh, a little bitter and uh, a little sweet, perhaps. Uh, if you can taste that on your palate, I don't think so, but uh, that's the taste I'm getting. It's uh, not much sweet, but uh, a bit. And it's uh, quite uh, in the back of your throat, it's bitter, but in the, on the tip of your tongue, it's not that much bitter. And it's not candy-like, of course. Uh, no fruitiness, spices. I don't think so. This is a porter. Undertone. A little sour, but it's good. Carbonation level. 
Not very high. Not very low either. Or either. Creaminess. Not 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 particularly creamy, no, no. And the aftertaste is uh, roasted beer. No, nothing more, nothing less. And it's got no aberrations as, uh, that I can uh, taste. Let's uh, figure this aftertaste out a bit. One moment. It's bitter and sweet, both at the same time in this aftertaste. And it's roast. A roasty aftertaste. Okay. What about grading then? I actually like this beer better than I liked the London Porter. Even if the London Porter was a little bit more creamy, it had cream in it. Well, it didn't have cream, cream in it, but it was a little bit more creamy. This one is not so much creamy. This one can, you can drink this one without uh, having a meal with red meat. You can do it if you wish to. But I still avoid it. I think uh, I'll give this one uh, a grade of... Uh, as I, I don't like porter, as I said. But uh, if I'm gonna be uh, fair, I would give this beer six or seven uh, devils out of ten possible. I think uh, I don't like porter. I give it six devils, just like the former one, the the, the London porter. But if I have to choo choose between Svart and London Porter, I, I choose Svart if I'm not going to drink it with food. With a meal. So it is. Okay. Absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. Thank you. This week's tactical and operational lesson. A truck-based fire guiding and signals linking UAS. I guess that you have to do trial and error in exercises in order to get a good idea.
about what should be prioritized communication and signals transmission in war, so that the order in the communication and the signals transmission become optimal. I also presume that the transmission order does not have to be carved in stone. It can be flexible and dynamic. One could solve the signal transmission priority process relatively smoothly with automaticity. You do not transmit at every given moment and you can speed transmit, thus taking up less time when you block or jam other units' signals. It is a problem that the customer can rarely compose his own UAS system in the customer's desired combination. Above all, you can implement optional choices in order specifications for an UAS for the customer. And UAS have many applications and there are just as many manufacturers as there are applications. You can only rarely use a UAS for two different types of missions. It's mainly the largest drones that are interoperable. In warfare, the missions often differ. These missions can be, for example, repeater receiving and emitting, electronic warfare, distance measurement, fire guiding, target measurement, scouting and weapon unloading. But it is of great importance for the assignment what kind of sensor or emitter the US UAS has. Some UAS types are worthless for some missions and other UAS types are too valuable to risk in other missions. A certain type of UAS with the ability to carry optional sensors should be developed for different specialized missions for our specific purposes. You can develop three types of shells for e.g. a quadcopter. In these separate shells with different given dimensions, you should be able to choose what, which type of signal emitters, repeaters, sensors, antennas, rangefinders or measuring instruments to be plugged into the quadcopter. Digital magnetic compass, inertial navigation, gyro compass and GPS must also be able to attach into, into the, the shell. It goes without saying that the larger the shell, the more can be jammed into the shell. The three different types of shells should cost approximately the same. Only the extra material and added logistics costs should be added. It should be the choice of content that determine the price. You shouldn't be able to charge more for larger exterior size, I think. The largest systems can be operated from their own truck with a built-in fuel tank to refuel the UAS if it needs refueling during a mission. The truck must have mounted repeaters and antennas for radio communication and remote control. 
Repeater emitter can also be an option for the UAS itself, e.g. a repeater for Link 16 or Link 22 for guiding naval missiles lobed across Gotland towards targets outside of Gotland's east coast, fired from naval warships west of Gotland. You can construct the system so that the UAS follows the truck from above. If the truck is driving away from the location from where you remote controlled the UAS and if the UAS is still in the air. But normally you should not drive away with the truck as long as the quadcopter is in the air. All unused space in the, space in the UAS must be filled with fuel. Thus the UAS should not have a fuel tank in the traditional sense. It should be a fuel tank in itself, jammed with electronics and sensors for the rest. You could in principle plug in some selected sensor elements for the UAS on the spot during a tactical assignment. The various elements will be found in the truck and should be able to be mounted on the UAS with a simple actuation torque. In addition, one of the two largest types of UAS could be combined with the smallest UAS so that the UAS operators have several options depending on tactical or operational situation. This type of sensoring, linking and targeting quadcopter UAS should not be in the air 100% of the preparation phase. It may only be in the air a couple of percent of the time, up to 20 to 50% of the time. The idea is that they should be in the air as little as possible, but they must be up at certain set times at the day of the day during the preparation phase of both belligerents. Furthermore, it should be sent up with communication and signals linking ability at every battle with heavy weapons that you discover audibly. Fire guiding and target measuring signals, of course, precede communication. One advantage of using a UAS is that receiver systems farther back may be protected from interference behind the topography, at least receivers located on the ground. Then you have EW protected links in one direction. EW means electronic warfare. RB-15 missiles that are lobed over an island towards targets outside the eastern territorial water of that island from naval warships in inland waters do not have the same interference protection while being guided by an UAS since the missile must most of the trajectory time does not fly in radio shadow. The radio signals should be amplified every 20 to 30 kilo kilometers i.e. 12 plus to 18 plus miles by linking trucks or on UAS or by fixed radio masts. The linking UAV, which is transported by a rel relay truck, 
must be as small as the UAV's antennas and integrated systems allow, but still allow time in the air. With this system, the commando central can be in relative safety on the mainland. In terms of cost, it will be cheaper and it will also be less bulky to refuel the UAVs with liquid fuel, rather than having UAVs with which you separately charge the batteries. Thank you. Oh, thank you.